I almost corrected you, but you were on a roll. John Russell does not expect anything from anybody. John should have shot him right then. <laughs> Damaging their water supply. Everyone ha is is fantastically flawed. Yeah. And if everyone got what they deserve, no one would ever get any. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Mac and Jason Watch a Movie. I'm Jason. And I'm Max. And today, we, we will be covering 1967's Ombre, uh, directed by Martin Ritt, starring Paul Newman as John Russell, Frederick March as uh, Dr. Favor, Richard Boone as Cicero Grimes, and lots of other character actors that you'll recognize if you see the movie, but don't have necessarily really big names. Any other cast members you want to uh, shout out to? I think you hit the big one. Yeah. Yep. This is the sixth, I think, and final pairing of Martin Ritt and Paul Newman. They've done five other films before this, and this is the last film they did together. I don't have a lot of production notes about that. I found very little. Um, so I, I guess, really, I just want to kind of talk about the, the people that are involved. This film is based on a novel by Elmore Leonard called Ombre, which was his first novel. Uh, but he, Yes, a, a very a very prolific writer. I believe he's dead now, but uh, he has written material that has been covered by other directors, including Quentin Tarantino. Yep. I was kind of surprised to find that Jackie Brown was based on something that he had Yes. Well, I, I have, in fact, read the novel Ombre. I, I loved it. It's a great novel. Uh, well, he's also, but, but he also um, gets shorty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 310 to Yuma. I mean, actually, there's a lot of things that people might be, might have been exposed to that that, that he was involved in. Um, and that, you know, so he's not necessarily, he's not necessarily someone that people have heard about, yep. but they might be familiar with things that he's done. Now, I think people who read a lot of genre literature will probably be more familiar with Leonard than a lot of people. I mean, he's a, he's a very good writer, but most of what he's known for in our era is crime novels, crime fiction. Yes. But he started out as a really capable Western writer. And uh, this, uh, so I, I was a little shocked actually that you said that, that, that Ombre is his first book because it's a really amazing book actually. It's very good. This is actually a great adaptation of the book. It contains everything that happens in the novel. There's a lot of dialogue straight from the book that is, at, that is put in the novel. It was written by uh, a team that also had worked with uh, with so in addition to Leonard the screenplay treatment was written by a husband wife team Irving Ravetch and Harriet Frank Jr. Yes and and so those two had worked with uh, Martin Ritt on I think HUD and a couple of other Paul Newman films and a lot of television writing but they did a great job of, of finding all of the notes from this book. Well I mean I, I did notice that uh, uh, Irving Ravetch and Martin Ritt who's director yep. they basically formed a I, I would assume a one-time production company called Ombre Productions. Yeah. I paid very, I paid very close attention uh, during the credits, and uh, it was the film was made by Ombre Productions, that's that's distributed right. by 20th Century Fox. So it's, I kind of got the sense that it's not, it's, it's. Um, it, I, I look, you're right. I couldn't find any information about it. This is night. The copyright day in the credits was 1966. You're quite oh, right that it released in 97. Um, but um, I couldn't find any information online as whether or not this was kind of a independent production that released by 20th Century Fox or a studio film. It's shot on location. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not it's not a 20th Century lot, you know, location. Yeah, yeah. But they produced it, so I kind of got the sense that this was kind of, sort of an independent production. Yeah. Which was... The, no, I, I I didn't get that sense because I didn't I didn't find that out all that much about... I understand why it is that way, but I, I didn't find that information, so I'm happy that you've, uh, you know, kind of illuminated that. This is kind of a fascinating film, but I think it had the freedom to be 
fascinating because of what you just said, though, because it's not a film with a studio hovering over. Yes. Um, because I, I think, as, as, as we're, we're going to get into, this, this, this film kind of bucks a lot of norms and traditions of the period, even though it's kind of bright smack dab in the middle of the anti-hero period of the West, uh, the U.S., uh, the American Western, I suppose, the Hollywood. Hollywood is starting to get have a romance with these anti-heroes. You know, yes. 66, I think, The Man With No Name films have been out. Uh, yes. So, and there are now, other... There are however, other how, no, you're quite right, but those are Italian films. That's true, it's true. So, so this is a film that's bucking more trends than maybe even you're implying. Because yeah. yes, yes, it's influenced, but this is a this is a 100% American film. Absolutely. And it's also starting to betray some new attitudes of the time, which have not been, prior to this, as common in the American Western. Namely, its perspectives on Native Americans and the American expansion into the West. And this is all pretty subtle in the film, but to give the backstory, uh, well, the, not the backstory, but the basic story of the film is about a guy named John Russell, played by Paul Newman, who is a kid who's raised on, uh, in, I think, Arizona, in the mountains uh, by the Apache. Now, some of you are going to think that that's kind of far-fetched, but this is not a far-fetched thing, historically speaking. This kind of thing happened quite a lot, both yes. both uh, Native Americans and uh, uh, European uh, settlers, European-descended settlers, uh, white people, for one of a better term, engaged in this kind of thing where they would sort of be stuck with these kids that they didn't kill in, in their skirmishes, and they would just adopt the kids as their own. And this happened quite a lot. And so this film is not a great white hero moment. This That's not what this film is, you know, where a, a white person comes and saves in a, a minority community, right? Which is a, a genre worth criticizing, but that's not what this film is. But John Russell is a kid whose family, I'm going to assume, was killed by, in an Indian raid in the uh, Native Americans. Uh, folks, I'm going to bounce back and forth probably between Native American and Indian, and feel free to email us. And, you know, I'm trying to do the right thing here with my terminology, and I don't want to offend anybody. So, but know that I'm in good faith trying to use the right term. But yes. the, the film uses Indian, so I'll probably end up using that a lot. But anyway, John Russell's family's killed and he's adopted by the Indians. But he's found by a nice person, I think he's a nice person, who uh, takes him from the, the Apaches and adopts him as his own. And not very long after that, John, he names the kid John Russell, and John almost immediately hightails it back to the Apaches. So, uh, no, no, I do. Actually, you know, I did stumble upon a comment by somebody online, and I, I, I might not even be able to find it now, in which they criticized this film because, um, you know, they, they kind of referred to, you know, a stereotypical term from, from uh, the literature at the time, that Paul Newman was playing a half-breed. Yeah. And that, you know, and they criticized it because he had these blue eyes, you know, that, that, that probably might not happen. But I think that you just, as you just pointed out, he, he's not, he's not. Uh, a mixed a mixed race person at all. He's actually, he was stolen and, as you said, was adopted by Mr. Russell, who was not his natural father. Um, I don't think the film necessarily says how long he stayed with Miss Russell. Now, see, you said he ran off almost immediately. Not he wasn't I almost, long, but I, I, I'm guessing two years, three years, not very long, you know. Uh, well, long and long enough yeah. that he that Mr. Russell liked him. Absolutely, yeah. And and I think as as you'll see, uh, John Russell has a liking for Mr. Russell. And this is all kind of backstory. We get this as the film pays out. Uh, this is not the first scene in the film, but I'm just kind of I think it might help to kind of navigate the content. But yeah, you're right. He's not playing a person of mixed race. He's a he's just a person who's been adopted by the Apache. I have to say, like one of the great Apache uh, warlords of the time, one of the who prosecuted uh, the a, a quite a serious campaign against Western expansion by European colonists was not a natural born Apache. He was a kid like John Russell, actually. 
sidebar and correction. It turns out I was wrong about uh, what I just said. The warrior I was thinking of was not Apache. He was Comanche. And he was the son of a woman named Anna Parker and a Comanche leader whose name is escaping me at the moment. Anyway, I read about Quanah Parker uh, and the, uh, the Comanche Wars against the American Expansion West in a really fascinating book called Empire of the Summer Moon, Quanah Parker and the Rise and Fall of the Comanches, the most powerful Indian tribe in American history. Now, Quanah Parker's story isn't exactly the same as our, our fictional character here, John Russell, but I think that there are a lot of similarities, and the book really does kind of explore uh, the, the, the kind of fluidity uh, in which people could become part of a different culture, or even indeed kind of become different people by really thoroughly adopting a culture, which I think is, I think it's a, it's an, it's an interesting phenomenon that's worth exploring. Uh, and this book does it. I, I'd say give it a try if you're interested. Uh, read it critically. Uh, I noticed in the reviews of the book, uh, a lot of people who uh, clearly leaned right called it PC trash. And then there were a lot of people on the far left who called it racist drivel. So I don't know, maybe uh, in the dialectical approach, it, 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 it finds some truth. Read it critically if you read it. So, uh, so into the sidebar. There's a lot of cultural fluidity that's happening in this time that I think this film, Ombre, captures. And I find, I find, I think it's kind of interesting. I, I, I agree with that. And I think that that's one of the things that makes this, that actually puts this film a little bit ahead of, perhaps a lot ahead of it. Um, the film, so that's the backstory. The film opens with a, a very subdued score that clearly has a Native American musical bass line, it's drums. And then it's got this kind of orchestral feeling to it. I mean, feeling, it's, it's orchestral music, but it's driven by the Native American American drum beats, uh, kind of more traditional songs. It's really subtle as you're listening to it. You're like, oh, that's that's what's going on. And at the same time, we're seeing these like classic stills from the Old West, mostly of Native Americans, right? Yes. And uh, and then the film opens on the bl the blue-eyed Paul Newman in his Apache outfit. Yes. Um, and that's I think that's the end of the score, by the way. Uh, the score seems to stay pretty consistent the rest of the way. I mean, yeah. there's you know there's music throughout. Okay. Is there? Um, no, th th there is music throughout, but it pretty much stays you know kind of at the same level. That kind of subtle, you know, everything that you just described. Uh, it, it, it's it's very good. It's very um, uh, it's very effective mm -hmm. in terms of you know what it's supposed to do. Uh, however, uh, I should let's get this out of the way. David Rose did the uh, uh, did the score. Okay. David Rose was a, a pretty active composer, okay. but um, more famous for television. He did um, Little House on the Prairie. Uh, I, so it seems like he kind of worked with Michael Landon quite a bit. He did Highway to Heaven. He did Little House on the Prairie. He scored some episodes of Bonanza. So you know it's not that his music Music is something that people have never heard. Yeah, but, but he was definitely not one of those big composers of the Hollywood era. But I think that what he does here is very effective. Well, in terms in terms of establishing the mood of what this story is all about. Well, this film is fairly minimally scored. Like yes, it's yes. it's because there's, there's there's a lot of moments where the score just disappears. It's not like this composer seems to really let himself take a back seat at times. And yes, it didn't seem. This is probably a collaborative decision on the part of. 
Ritt and this composer that we don't want to we don't want to just distract the audience from what's going on with music. So yeah. So anyway, we open up the film with uh, John Russell and corralling some horses. That seems to be his major occupation, which is gathering horses for the uh, wagon line, the uh, the stagecoach. Yes, line. yes. And uh, but is this is this is the first thing we see too, uh, uh, and I think it's part of the film's uh, kind of uh, grace is we get to see Russell in his first long moment of being still. We see him be still a lot. He's just very patient. He's not yes. moved to to act unless he needs to, right? And so during the scene, though, uh, somebody, uh, he sees somebody on a hill and he's almost, this person is coming to talk to John Russell and needs to deliver a message to Russell. And uh, the guy doesn't really know what's going on and he's going to blunder into Russell as he's getting ready to corral these Mustangs, I'm guessing. And uh, so we get a nice little bit of horse behavior and John Russell being still a hunter, uh, a man of the land. And he's also got like two Apache friends who are helping him with this project. And this poor... This poor person who works for the stagecoach line is riding down, uh, not quite hell for leather, but fast to get to Russell. And he gets tackled off of his horses by some pretty imposing guys. Yes. They don't say anything to him. They don't say a word. They just cover his mouth until John stops them from losing all their, their hard work of catching these horses. And that's when John learns that he needs to go into town to Sweet Mary. Uh, to oh, He doesn't learn that. He needs to go talk to Mendez at the uh, stagecoach line. He's got a message for you. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, just to pause right there, yeah. because actually this opening scene that you you just described very well in terms of on visual. This scene is established and the and the story content of this scene is, is told in an immaculate way. Yeah. Martin Ritt in setting up the scene and in uh, deciding how it was going to be shot. This scene it's set up so well. This is an establishing guy. This is the beginning of the story. We get a lot of uh, as you close-ups of John Russell. We get this long shot of the black horse. Yeah. It seems this seems to be the leader of the uh, of the herd of horses. Uh, kind of checking things out and he's way up on the hill then we get a close-up of the horses then we, then we go back to the uh, uh, to the natives who are who are setting up this trap then we get a cut to this beautiful spring that is kind of flowing off of this uh, of this mountainside and uh, it's very clear that they've done this before yeah. like this is what they do as you say they capture horses they sell them to the stage line and um, this is all very well done this oh, is yeah. mixture of close-ups long shots movement of horses um, and then, uh, as you pointed out, the young man, is it Billy? I think his name is Billy. I called him young married guy throughout most of my notes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he comes in and he blunders, as you say, he blunders into it and they, they kind of knock him out. They end up getting the horses. Yep. Then we move on to just the conversation between him and John Russell. And, uh, you know, he, he explains what he's supposed to do. And, like, well, you know, delivered your message. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. and, and, and this is going to be a theme throughout the film. The character of John Russell. Russell, and I think that we're going to discuss why he is this way, but he has this kind of stoic reserve about him where he's, his interaction with people is very matter-of-fact. It, it, it's not unappreciative, ever. No. It's not rudeness. It's not meanness. It's it's just as it's it's very minimal. It's it's it's, it's, it's mere acknowledgement. Yeah. And it's you efficient. Know? It's efficient. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's like, uh, okay, kid, you delivered your message. He said, like, yeah, well, you said your piece. And, and he's like, well, uh, can I have a horse? I don't like being out here in the day. I'd like it back by nighttime. Yeah, sure. Like he, he um, we kind of get the sense right in this first scene. John Russell, you know, he 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 he's not a cruel guy. No, no, no. And uh, he's not afraid to kind of let people kind of be who they are and do what they want to do. And, you know, the only thing that matters to him is how it affects him and the people cares about. That's true. But we do see that the, he does have some, his warmth is almost indistinguishable from his matter-of-factness. But yes, he does, yes. He, he does have some genuine uh, warmth for people. We'll see this towards Mendez 
in just a moment even. But so he rides into town with his friends, uh, not Sweet Mary, I'm sorry, he doesn't go to Sweet Mary yet. He goes to the stagecoach line, which uh, is run by a friend of his and the person who buys most of his horses, a guy named Henry Mendez, who's a, a Mexican who lives in this this Sweet Mary. And uh, he lives with the old John, he lives at Mr. Russell's house, in fact. He lives at, Mr. Russell has turned his house into a boarding house. But Mr. Mendez has to deliver a, a, a message that old man Russell's dead and he's left. And this goes back to what you said. The, the old man really liked John and yeah. he left he left everything to John Russell, you know. Uh, so he, John Russell has a nice house in Sweet Mary. And this is what Mendez wants to pitch to him. So you've got a house now. You need to, you need to, uh, well, no, I mean, let me back up because there's a really funny moment when when uh, Russell rides in and and he says, hombre, uh, or is it Ishkane or or is it John? And uh, uh, and Mendez says, well, let's call you John. No, no Indian names, no nothing today. Today you'll be John. And so, uh, so Russell, in that scene, we see that Russell moves through a lot of different worlds. He, he, you know, he's, he's probably got a name that people say in Spanish. He's got a name that people say, his Apache friends call him by a name. And some people just call him hombre. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, Mendez brings him in and uh, says, hey. Well, uh, uh, well we should say that, 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 you know, what shall I call you today? Yeah. You know, anything but bastard. Yeah, anything but yeah. bastard, yeah. In other, wor- in, in other words, you can call me what you want. Yeah. yeah. Just, don't, just don't be an asshole. Yeah. And, uh, and so Mendez breaks out one of the bottles because Mendez also seems to have like a little bar there for people waiting for coach lines and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, he wants to pitch John on this house and on cutting his hair and coming out of the hills because you can be on the winning side now, you know. Uh, and uh, and John says, oh, is that what side you're on? Are you on the winning side? And uh, Mendez says, well, I can tell you this. A Mexican is closer to a white man than is a white mountain Apache, you know. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and what, what Mendez is trying to say to him and what Mendez will try to say to him for most of the film is, look, just go along to get along. It doesn't matter what, yes. what language you think in. It doesn't matter. You know, you can go here to this house. It pays you to be this way because you can be not everybody has this option and you can you can have an easier life than what you have now right and 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 in this moment mendez seems like confident he seems like that you know this is work for him yeah. and um and he's giving him good advice it won't stay that way the rest of them. no no but it is interesting to me that that mendez does care about john in this way they they, they are friends yeah he might he might be outside of the members of the apache nation that he that he goes around with this might be the closest he has to a friend yeah and so in this scene we'll, we'll see we'll, we'll also see another side of john russell really quickly we'll see that he's efficient he's polite courteous courteous maybe is the word his apache friends are drinking some tequila at the bar when two people that are going to be a problem in the film walk in and they immediately take offense to the apaches at the bar and they try and start a fight with them uh, over the fact that they are drinking tequila and they say a few racist things they're awful people and uh when they find out that the apaches are drinking tequila they get mad and they they throw the uh they take the guy they take the this apache's uh tequila and throw it in his face and they're like oh <laughs> indians can't handle their liquor and uh they're clearly trying to start a fight with these two guys right yes and well there's the whole they'll let anybody in here kind exactly of yeah. yeah they're they're rude um the apaches are trying to navigate this pretty carefully because this is a dangerous spot for them they can't really they can't really get into a fight that will be recognized as self-defense by the law probably not easily right and uh however john can i think that that's kind of what's going on so he walks up to the to one of the to the guy who says they'll let anybody in here and as the guy this is really even for 67 this yeah. is a pretty brutal scene the guy is taking a drink of his whiskey when russell taps him on the arm and the guy turns around and russell butt strokes him in the face with the shot glass in front of his mouth and cuts him wide open and then that's when the apaches are his apache friends i mean they've all got the drop on these these two thugs right away yes and, uh, and russell doesn't say anything but you leave money on the bar for mezcal they're drinking mezcal they're not drinking they're not drinking tequila. I take that back. They're drinking mezcal. I almost 
almost corrected you, but you were on a roll. And so, and these guys, they're like all bullies. I think they don't, they make a threat, but they're not going to, they're not going to try and fight their way out of that because they don't, they're not really tough guys. They, they gravitate towards people they think that they can, they can bully. Yeah. Uh, this is the case, in fact, for all of the bad guys in the movie, I think, except one. I, I'm, I'm with them. And, uh, but anyway, so these guys leave the bar. They leave the money too for Mescal. And <laughs> Mendez says, oh, you know, I tell you about a house and a hill and look, you're just a savage. And, uh, and uh, John Russell says, I don't know why you'd say that. I was thinking, I was thinking that all in English. <laughs> yeah. And then he leaves and then we get, our, so this is all first act stuff. And this first act is brilliant, by the way. Yes. Um, it's very slow. It's very patient. It's very methodical. It really wants to set the stage and juxtapose Russell, I think a lot with all of the things that is going to be said about the world Russell is supposed to really want to leap into. Yeah. You know, anyway, so we go to the boarding house. We meet the, we meet the people of the boarding house. And the, uh, so there are two gyms, uh, two other acting gyms in this film that I think uh, Mendez is very good. And, uh, but, but I think in terms of just standout star performances, uh, I can't remember the lady's name, but the woman who plays Jesse. Diane Silento. I think everybody, I'm going to give it, I'm going to drop a little bit of trivia here. This is Sean Connery's favorite film ever. What? It is. This is his favorite film. How do, how do I not know this? I don't know how you don't know this, but it's in the trivia section of uh, a lot of pages on Ombre. And uh, I don't know if the whole reason for that is because, I mean, he dated this, this woman who plays Jesse for a while, but he thinks that this movie's great. And uh, anyway, she, her performance as the woman who runs for old man Russell, the boarding house, is great. Yes. She's running around trying to get the house all up in uh, up in order. We're, we're, in, we're meeting all the personalities. She's kicking her live-in boyfriend out of the house for the day, uh, who's the sheriff of the town. And uh, and she's trying to straighten everything up. She's cleaning the silver. She's cleaning the silver when Mendez comes in in the morning and is like, what you doing? Who are you doing this for? And it's like, well, the new owner's coming. He's like, look, this man eats with his hand. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't bother with the silver. Um, and uh, which reminds me, I, I, I think Mendez really wants John to take the house, but I also think he doesn't have a lot of hope that's going to happen. I, I think he's, he knows probably that, that Russell's not going to have the house. But earlier in the scene when he was telling him about this, this was kind of a great moment that I kind of skipped over. And he was like, uh, you inherit the house. There's a pretty woman. There's a pretty woman who runs the place. And Russell's like, uh, do I inherit her too? And he's like, I think that's up to you, my friend. Yeah. You know, and, and, but anyway. And, and, and he's right. And he's right. Yeah. He's right. But she's trying her best to get everything in order. She, like I said, she gives her boyfriend out. She talks to Mendez, but she's a good person. She's trying to manage everybody's lives that are really well. Like the <laughs> Billy, who we met earlier, who gave John the, the message, is not a happy camper and neither is his wife. They both seem to have gotten married for the wrong reasons and they're both bitter and they have a big fight. And while 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 the wonderful Jesse is cleaning up the silverware, she has a she has a really, I think, interesting heart to heart uh, with Billy. Oh, look, Jesse is a great character. Yeah. Because actually, I mean, in some way, she's the best written character in the film. Not that, not that John Russell is not a well-written character. He is. But we get to know Jesse more. Um, right. Well, I mean, we get a sense of, of um, her history, you know, what her youth was like, a sense of kind of where she is now. Uh, she's also like John Russell, a survivor, mm -hmm. but um, she's also a little bit, she's a lot more engaged in the world yeah. than, than John is, because the the what you were just about to point out, she has a heart-to-heart -heart with Billy, something John would not have done. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, John would have just been like, well, you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta do your own thing. It doesn't yeah. concern me. Jesse um, actually tries to explain to him just kind of you know the way things are you know you know how people perceive them that kind yeah. of thing. well yeah because he's like uh the billy is upset you know and uh and jesse warns him like look these walls are paper thin we can hear everything guys yell about right right and uh she before i move on to this though jesse is an example of i think all three women in this film are actually really well written they, they don't all get this shine like jesse but we do learn a lot about how Aud audra favor feels about the world we we get some good interactions with the young wife 
whose name I can't remember. Um, Doris Blake. Doris Blake. But I think that all of the women are really well written in this movie. Doris is head in the clouds and she doesn't really understand the world, but Audra and Jesse do. And they, they have different, they've had different experiences, but I think they're both well written in the film, even though Audra doesn't get a shine. The actress who, who plays Audra, who's very good, just doesn't get, yeah. doesn't get the meat that Jesse does. But yes. anyway, she, she explains to Billy that actually his wife has a lot of good points. Yeah. And she was like, uh, he was like, uh, I just remember this line. He was like, man, I just wish you would quit her bellyache. And, and she said, well, that's the price you pay for, for getting to nudge it in the night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, I, I like watching Jesse in the scene. She's trying to clean up and she goes outside to get the laundry and bring it in. And that's when she sees the John Russell slow walking, appraising the house. She recognizes that he's John Russell. And uh, she notices that he's noticing all the things that's, that are wrong. Because she knows everything that's wrong with the place. Yeah. The, the gate's broken. Yeah. The uh, uh, swinging door squeaks. Loudly. Yeah. She's explaining to him about, she's really trying to flatter him here too. But she, she tells him all about uh, the funeral they gave for old man Russell. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. She, she's, she mixes straight talk. Uh, she, excuse me. She, she mixes flattery with straight talk because uh, she also, she puts her cards on the table pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you can have the same arrangement dad had. Yeah. And, and then of course she moves the sheriff out of her bedroom. You know, he, he had, he had matriculated down to her bedroom some months ago and she just, <laughs> and she just goes in. It's like, well, you know, you need, you know, we need to keep up appearances. You need to move down the hall for a while. And uh, like, she's very much a straight shooter. Oh, yeah. We definitely get, we definitely get the sense, you know, she's been sleeping with the sheriff for all these months, but now that there's the new guy, I can't lose my, because she's a survivor. Yeah. Again, a lot like John Russell. Yeah. She's a survivor. You know, I need to put my best foot forward, just move down the hall for a while because she's thinking that, um, you know, that, that she might set up the same kind of relationship uh, with uh, John Russell that she had with his father. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure that she's worried that maybe she doesn't know anything about how John will react to such an arrangement, right? Not right. knowing, not knowing that if he had decided to keep the house, it would be the last thing he ever concerned himself with, with whatever she did. Right. Know? But she makes the pitch and, uh, you know, 70, 30 or whatever it was that, I mean, she ran the house, but she's also really, she doesn't, she never kids herself either. She's like, well, you know. Well, what would you like to do now? Would you like to see the rest of the house? There's nothing else to show you except me and the account books. And you've already had a fairly critical look at me. Well, I'll take a look at the books. You might like to know that old man Russell had a fine funeral. Everyone in the house chipped in and we brought him a horseshoe of red carnations. They didn't last long in this heat, but they were pretty. And we got him a marble headstone. It has his name on it, and underneath we had him put in the fullness of his years. Is that all right with you? Settle for that on my own slide. What do you figure yours is going to read? Shot dead, brother. Don't people like you, Mr. Russell? And I mean, yeah. he's not mean. You know, I don't even think he's been that. If he's given her a harsh look or a critical look, it's just over the upkeep of the house, I would think. He doesn't, I don't think that he's like, it's not being as harsh as she might think, I don't think. But he looks at the books after she makes her pitch and uh, he's like, well, I've got an offer on the house for a herd of horses in, in somewhere. I don't remember. And I think I'm going to take it. <laughs> and, yeah. and she's just a little offended that he didn't say that earlier. And and I, I actually, I, I kind of, my intuition tells me that we learn a lot about him in this, in this moment. Well, yeah, because she says, you 
knew that before you got here. And then, um, but um, he asks her, you know, um, were you mentioned in the will? Yeah, yeah. And she says no, and he says, so I don't owe you anything. And he doesn't say it in a mean way. He says it very matter of fact, like, you know, we kind of get the sense that if she had been mentioned in the will, he would have honored it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, he, this is a guy in this moment in his life, this period in his life, um, he does not go out of his way to make anyone suffer. No. But but he also won't go, go out of his way to help anybody. Either. No, no. There's a There are a few nice lines where I, I'm sure that she was thinking, Jesse was thinking that she might be okay. And they're having this kind of very friendly interaction, but she is a little upset. Uh, and then afterwards, you know, she, she immediately, even though she's going to be out on her keister, she's not going to have a place to live, she she immediately changes gears and goes to Frank the sheriff because she's, like you said, a survivor and she's got, well, she's got this thing with Frank, right? And again, she lays it, she lays it out again. She lays it out again and it's really kind of sweet the way she says it and she's like, you know, um, you know, you've been, you know, I don't mind when you when you come in late at night and want to get frisky. I don't, uh, you know, I can cook and clean. I'm not young, but that's not bad either. She has a really nice, she has a really nice pitch as she's basically proposing to Frank the sheriff. She She's very, she's very matter of fact. She's very realistic about her life, about his life, about where they are in, in, in the world and, you know, where they've come from, where they are now, where they're going to be. And you're right. She makes a great pitch. It's actually, when you think about it, it uh, when I first watched the movie, it should have should have made me wonder a little bit more that he turned it down. Oh, yeah, because he said, not a chance. Yeah. And she's like, well, that was pretty quick. If you don't mind me asking, why not? <laughs> she's right. not even that offended. She's just kind of like, well, that plans. She's already making her next plan, I think. And she's not, which I, I say that, but don't think that I mean, I mean making the next plan in kind of a conniving sense. She's just a survivor. She's a nice person, but she, she's going to make it to the next moment, right? She's going she's gonna right. to land on her feet wherever she ends up. But but then the Frank the Sheriff kind of goes on this kind of longish, self-pitying uh, whine about his life. And not if you were Bathsheba herself, I think that's what he says. Yes, uh, he does. Uh, I, I, I'd say no. And uh, he's like, well, you've got me in pretty nice company, at least. You know, that's what she says. And uh, and he says, and basically the whole thing is like, he's he thinks he could die at any moment because he's a sheriff in a town that, you know, is a mining town and full of roughnecks. And, uh, and but it's a really whiny, whiny thing that he responds to her with. You seem to be not quite on the same page with me about my my criticism of Frank's whininess. Well, I mean, uh, only because I kind of feel like that he he already has another agenda. Yeah. So you think that maybe that's not quite true, what he's saying? And, yeah, I, I do, because what he ends up saying is he ends up saying, you know, he, he points, which look, the dialogue in this movie. It is. The dialogue in this movie is great. And he points out that, you know, he's lived here his whole life and all this kind of thing. And, you know, all he ever sees is the dog, you know, taking a piss on the side of the house. And, you know, uh, and you kind of get the sense, and this is also kind of cool for a Western, because, you know, a lot of Westerns kind of give the impression that, you know, sheriffs are in shootouts all the time and it's all law and order and all this kind of thing. But he's kind of like, you know, I just deal with the drunks yep. and, you know, and I just, you know, my best shirts, you know, I just have to deal with get, having them vomit on me. And so he's just very, very unhappy. And so, so I watched it twice yeah. and I kind of, and I kind of got the sense that, okay, you know, really he's, he's holding back. Gotcha. Like, like, um, he likes her. And in fact, he is very nice to her. Oh, he is. Yeah. 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 But, um, but when we first meet him, when they have their little, uh, when she's kicking him out, it's almost like any great Western scene, right? Yeah. Like you think, well, when we first see him, we think, well, this guy is going to be one of our heroes, probably, probably, right? I haven't seen any trailers yeah. that would disabuse me of that. So, but right. they're very warm. They react, you know, it's almost a, a, 
uh, one of the Rio movies with John Wayne and uh, or Robert Mitchum or somebody yeah. interacting with the leading lady in a very flirtatious, fun way, right? Right. Uh, and so, so when he does this to her, I, I, I remember the first time I saw this, I was a little shocked that that had happened. When he turns her yeah, down yeah. flat. Um, I, I, well, I was too. I also was rather surprised by that. But uh, on the second viewing, I feel like that I actually saw a lot of those, you know, those kind of subtlety yeah, yeah. of of how he was really, you know, he liked her. Oh yeah. But but he was really trying to just kind of. Well, in fact, she kind of comments that, yeah, you know, you know, you're doing me a favor. I guess. Yeah, like, I'm doing you a favor, Jesse. Yeah. Which in this case, he was telling the truth <laughs> because true, I think true. because because he actually had this thing kind of cooked up. Although now that I think about it, he could have tried to include her in on it and be like, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have some money. Yeah. Um, but um, but there again, he probably knew that it was a big risk. He knew that you know he would never be able to be a sheriff again. You know, he knew that he was kind of walking away from everything legitimate he had ever been, even though we're in the, the West. Yeah. And maybe he also knew about Jesse because as we as we learn as the film goes on, Jesse has a code. She does. She does. She... Uh, now she's a survivor, and she she's very matter of fact about that. But she also, you know, she's not she's not really a selfish person. Oh no, no, no! You could never say that. A little bit before that, we get this uh, uh, moment where we're at Mendez's place, and we meet Doctor Favor and his uh, very elegant wife, Audra Favor. Yes. Uh, Doctor Favor and his wife go into the stagecoach line, and they say, "Well, we need a stage. We need a, we need to get to uh, Bixby by as soon as possible." That's a real time. She says, "By as soon as possible." Um, and and uh, Mendez says, "Hey, the cl- the stage line's over. We're we're closed. We we don't have yeah. any stages. We're not running anymore." I mean, Sweet Mary does seem like a town that is in decline. Well, uh, the train has arrived. Oh, that's right. That's right. Maybe not yeah. in decline. Just things are changing. Um, but they can't wait for a train, so they have money, and they say, "Well, what if we what if we pay for a coat?" And, yeah. uh, and that kind of creates a little bit of back and forth between Billy, who works for Mr. Mendez, and uh, and then they decide to do it. But go ahead, you got some. You got an, no. Think- I mean, I I I, I want to add that what's interesting about the exchange talking about she does all the talking yep. she does all the talking and uh and her husband just kind of kind of kind of sits off the side she displays a great deal of confidence oh, yeah. uh so so you know we kind of established right out of the you know right out of the shoot that these two people um they're both kind of in lockstep with whatever it is that they're doing and we'll find that out later absolutely and but mendez is a little worried because he doesn't want to take on he doesn't want to lose his job with the stagecoach company and he doesn't want to incur their wrath but he also doesn't want to incur the wrath of these wealthy white people either it seems you know and well i mean he kind of says there is no company like and she says well what if i buy the wagon and we'll buy the horses too and so these people are dropping a big dime to get to bixby in three days and she says well, you'll make a month's wages in three days is what she says to him and uh and that that makes mendez go okay i can do that and uh because he's, and, he's and, like and, he knows well, so much want to get out of town but, but billy's on board long before he is <laughs> or, yeah yeah um because he and he and his wife doris want to leave yes and he says john wants to leave and then jesse pops in and so so he's going to make one more run for the company uh, or not for the company but for himself yes um with these people and this leads to the scene where everybody's waiting for the wagon to go right, right. and there's another there's one more person that's joined this this uh wagon train and it's a union soldier who uh who is pretty annoying but he's very earnest and eager i'm going to bixby i'm gonna get married i haven't even met my wife yet but this is gonna be amazing I, she's uh, i'm gonna go be a minor what do you think of that that's pretty great huh and he's just like mile a minute he's like a steve buscemi character um and uh billy says well here take your ticket and take that one over to that guy there and he goes up to John Russell and he says I'm going to Bixby I'm going to be a minor getting married haven't even met this lady yet and, and uh, strange thing huh and, and John's just like yeah it sounds great man he's, he's like you said courteous but he's not going to invite any conversation with this guy yeah I mean you kind of get the sense that you know um, um, he's definitely interested in like you know you know 
people say things to him and he acknowledge it. I, you know, I can't, I wouldn't say he's ever really sarcastic. Oh, no. Like when he says, yeah, that sounds great. Like he's kind of acknowledging, okay, you know, for you. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that sounds great, but I'm not interested is always the unspoken part of it. He doesn't, this poor soldier doesn't get to be happy much longer. Um, yeah. Because then the, the final person who's going to be on the wagon comes in and it's this big, big, big looking man uh, with a saddle on his shoulder and he, he inquires about a ride and uh, and this is Cicero Grimes. And Billy is like, ah, I can't do that, man. We are all full up. Grimes, uh, does all these people going on this ride? He asks Billy about the, all the passengers on the ride and Grimes goes and, and looks at the smallest guy in the room and goes straight for that guy to take his ticket. And that guy happens to be John Russell. And this is the this is a scene where we're going to we're going to see that John Russell's really not to be trifled with yeah. um, or we don't get to see why yet but Grimes comes in up to him and says hey I need your ticket you're going to give me your ticket and you're going to take the next uh, the next the next train the next stagecoach the next stagecoach you know tomorrow stay in town drink a, drink a beer whatever and uh, John Russell says that's pretty funny yeah it's not funny friend I'm going to get your t- you're going to give me your ticket and I mean Russell's that's not going to happen right the yeah. whole movie the whole movie almost ended in this scene <laughs> no uh, if not for the annoying soldier who decided who decided to do something that John Russell would never do. Yeah. To just kind of casually stand up from. Yeah. And the and the soldier says, "Hey, leave him alone. You come in late. It's your own fault." Yeah. And Grimes is getting ready to return to Russell. What'd you say? I said, "Why don't you leave him alone? The man wants to take this stage. Let him take it." Well, suppose I take your ticket instead. You just walk in and take someone else's seat. Looks like it. Somebody's pulling a joke on somebody. You think so? What kind of a business do you run here? You just let a man walk in and say he's taking your seat after paying the fare and all? The company doesn't do anything about it? Friend. This business is between you and me. And we don't want anybody else poking their nose into it, do we? You wearing a gun. You better get one. Well, you can't just threaten a man like that. There are witnesses here seeing you threaten me. They heard you call me a dirty name. I never called you anything. And even if they didn't, I did. Cicero Grimes is played by uh, Richard Boone, um, who often played a lot of good guys over his life. Uh, I would say most of his career. I don't know if this is his first villain. Yeah. I do know that his last performance was as a villain. Yeah. Uh, he actually played one of the guys in the bar in The Shootist, and that was his last performance as it was John Wayne. And he plays almost the same character that he plays here. That's interesting. And uh, so actually, this is not the first time I've seen Richard Boone as a villain, but most of my youth, you know, I saw him as more of a hero type person. So. I'm very impressed oh, by him. Yeah. Well, just the just the way he, I mean, he's he, he's his acting is great, and he's opposite one of the greatest actors ever, in Paul Newman. In this, yeah. and he's getting ready to go back to Paul Newman, and then he's like, "What did you say to the soldier?" Yeah. I think it's that bully's instinct. This guy that he's talking to is going to be trouble. This guy has got a gun on his hip. Right. This guy's not giving me the ticket, and I'm you know Grimes changes targets and goes to the to the soldier. Of course, the soldier backs down, gives Boone the ticket, and the hangdog expression of this soldier is. <laughs> 
It's really sad, you know, but, you know, he's... Oh, oh his walk out of there is kind of long even for us. Like, oh, yeah. it's, it's it's a shameful moment. When oh, he, man. Yeah. Uh, Be- because you kind of get the sense, well, he's not going to get his mail order bride. Yeah. He's not going to get, you know, like, like he is walking away from everything. Because oh, yeah. Of this moment. I mean, or at least in my imagination, that's what I thought. Like, well, I mean, at the very least, his life just got a lot harder, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and then Boone, I'm oh, sorry, Boone, not Boone, but Grimes takes the saddle and is putting everything away and this is another great moment where Jesse speaks her mind and she says uh, she, she has she, she has some criticism for uh, Russell and, and she's like um, you should have done something you talking to me lady yes to you it wasn't my business what have you taken your ticket you didn't that soldier would have helped you and you know it I didn't ask him for any didn't even have a gun yeah, and she's business you don't want to carry on. Takes a lot to light a fire under you, doesn't it? It's all right with you, lady. I just didn't feel like bleeding for you. And even if it isn't all right with you. I, I just liked Jesse going after John in this moment. Um, well, because you get the sense that if she could have done something, she would have. She actually does do something later on yeah. in, in the wagon that saves, I think, somebody's life. And we'll get to that scene in a moment. But the next time we see them, they're all in the wagon. Russell is just kind of minding his own business, but there's a lot of chatter in the wagon about what's going on. Billy's wife, Doris, is a scared. You know, she's like, oh, I'm just worried. I'm worried that the Indians might be be out there and what they might, the, what they might do to, I, I've read what they do to white women and then a, another great Cicero, Cicero Grimes moment they do the same thing to white women that they do to Indian women and they don't mind it much red or white and uh, Audra Favor's wife is is is, fast, is kind of charmed by this this rogue right Audra Audra will misread Cicero Grimes pretty badly by the way but but Billy steps up a little bit he says to Grimes I don't think women like that very much yeah. uh, they, they, don't, they don't appreciate that kind of talk what kind of talk is that son talking about what Indian women do to what Indians do to women and stuff you're saying I got a loose mouth. And this is another scene where trouble, I mean, bad trouble is about to happen in this wagon, right? Yeah. And this is the scene where Jesse does step in and she says, she intervenes on Billy's part in a way that Grimes doesn't notice, but that saves face for Billy, right? She says, well, if he's not saying it, I'm saying it. Yes, yeah, she does say that, yeah. And Grimes says, she just, this little lady speaks her mind. He's very impressed with her right away, you know? That took a lot of steel for her because she doesn't necessarily know that Grimes isn't the kind of person who wouldn't hurt a woman, right? And uh, she just thinks that she can she can get away with it because she's a woman and Grimes isn't going to attack her in front of all these people the way he might have done with the soldier or I mean he's, he's going to threaten Billy right there right that was what was right. coming and uh, right. and so this is when we get another scene and Audra says well I lived among that and she says a bunch of awful things about her time with the Apache right very dismissive of yeah very dismissive she's like you know every once in a while you see them and they look graceful and beautiful but you know in the next moment when you're just about to have some respect for them they'll squat and pick at themselves you know yeah. and uh, I I can't remember what happens. I can't remember the, the exchange that happens next, uh, but she says, uh, but Russell says something and he says, that, that causes her to say, well, I know I wouldn't eat, uh, you know, she says something about them eating dog. He's like, I would never eat dog. And he was like, you ever been hungry lady? Like not just ready for supper, but so hungry that your belly sticks out. And she's yeah. like, I don't care how hungry, I, how hungry I am. I wouldn't eat dog. And he's like, you would eat it and fight over the bones. Yeah. And, and she, this is one of the things that the film does really well. She says, oh, have you eaten dog, Mr. Russell? I've eaten them and live like them, right? Yep, and yep. she's offended 
offended by him, but she's not offended by Boone, by Grimes. She yes. thinks Grimes is charming. Yes. This is when Dr. Favor, the man who, who helped, you know, who was with her, says, well, Mr. Russell is obviously is sensitive to the Native American, the Indian's plight, as every as every person of humane will yes. is. He's like, uh, you know, I've, I'm, I'm the, the chief, uh, I run the Bureau of Indian Affairs uh, in Sweet Mary. And, you know, once you're close to them for a while, you realize, this is Favor talking, he's like, it's not just a simple matter of giving them food and stuff like that. Managing the Native Americans is pretty rough. Uh, do you have friends there on the reservation, right? Yeah. And this is when Russell says, oh, I, I know most of the, I know most everybody there uh, at the reservation. And Favor, it's like, oh, really? I don't think I've ever seen you there. And uh, well, what did you do there? Were you? He says, well, you were a supplier. He's like, no, I was with the police. And yeah. uh, and this is when Audra says, well, that can't be. You're uh, Only Indians could be police. And then Russell doesn't say anything and lets them kind of figure it out. And Audra is immediately, she recoils a little bit. And Favor, I think, has a subtler reaction because he's worried a little bit for other reasons that will come to be revealed. Right, later. right. But, but they stop for the night to let the horses rest. There's a couple of cool exchanges where uh, Jesse again kind of goads John Russell. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, no, I'm sorry. Let me back up. Let me back up. They stop at the, they stop at uh, Delgado's. Yes. And uh, this is when Favor comes up to Mendez and says, I'm sorry, Mr. Mendez. I, I have to ask you a favor. Yeah, that that uh, my wife uh, uh, doesn't want to be in, you know, in the coach. Russell, can you have him put him on top? Mendez does not want to do it. Yeah. But Favor kind of, kind of subtly implies and Mendez knows that the favors, they're the ones that are actually putting up all the money. You know, Mendez wouldn't even be doing this this run if it wasn't yeah. for their money. He knows he has to. Well, but he's, he does, Mendez has a little fight in him at times when, when Favor says, well, I'll leave it in your capable hands and Mendez says, and wash yours. It, yeah, I mean, Mendez sees things very clearly. He does, but, he does. But as we'll find out, unlike Russell, and to an extent Jesse, um, Mendez is a collaborator. Yeah. He is very much a, um, and in fact, in the very next conversation, he sits down with Russell, brings him a drink, just like he did in the first scene in the movie, and lays it out to him. Russell does not like the idea, you know, that he has to sit up top. It's cold up there. Uh, he doesn't really want to do it. Mendez gives him the reasons why he should, you know, because it's not worth, not worth fighting. Now, now, in some ways, in some ways, he's pushing against an open door yep. because Russell will fight, but he won't fight for frivolous reasons. Exactly, yeah. He will he will not fight just because he's pissed off. Yeah, yeah. And so really, Russell is very amenable to what Mendez is suggesting, but he can't help but kind of point out, you know, yeah. just just how just how fraudulent it is. But Mendez is very open about his reasoning. I feel really bad for Mendez in this scene. He says, "This is a habit I've been doing my whole life." You know, yeah. he's a little ashamed of himself. Uh, if, if you if you if you were to ask me why I do this, is what he says. And he says, "I didn't ask." To your health, and he tips his glass to Mendez, and he's fine with riding up on the coach with Mendez. But he is. You're right. He did needle Mendez a little bit about it. He, he needled him, but you know, really, when it comes down to it, I don't know if Russell is so used to being disappointed by people. Yeah. But he, he kind of accepts people exactly the way that they are. I mean, I mean, unless he has a reason to have conflict with them, he just, he's he's very like, he, it's almost like most of his dialogue is a shrug of the shoulder. That's right. You're right. And so, but he doesn't really take anybody's insults or their rudeness very, very seriously. Uh, there's, because later on when they take, the, when they do take the break at night, Jesse comes up to him and says, I want you to know I didn't have any, any part of that. Having you sit on top of the cat, like the, the coach. And, and then she kind of uh, is a little jokey. She says, of course, I wouldn't mind if you had to walk all the way. It wouldn't bother me if you had to walk all the way to Bixby. And he's like, wouldn't bother me either, lady. And he, you know, he's drinking his water and he, he closes the canteen. And, and I just thought that was, a, I, I love that line. It wouldn't bother, you know, because he doesn't need these people. It, it it says a lot about both of them. Yeah. You know, for one 
thing, she does want him to know she doesn't like what's been done. But on the other hand, she's really pissed off at him. <laughs> That's right. You know? Right. Yeah. But but that, that moment where he's like, it wouldn't bother me either, lady. Because he wouldn't. Yeah. It wouldn't bother him if they kicked him out and he had to walk back to Bixie. He would be yeah. fine with that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and how Jesse, like she has, she actually at this point has something really personal against him. Yeah. But she doesn't like unfairness at all. It's right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, injustice. She doesn't like vindictiveness. And so the, the, the second act carries on and we're kind of getting this kind of character. We're, we're seeing each character through these experiences, you know. Um, during their break, they have this like kind of a, they have another break after a long haul on the wagon and uh, Mendez gets down. And this is one of the times he does stand up to Favor. Uh, oh, they're, they're also going on a different road, by the way, because Favor got scared at Delgado's because the bartender said, there's some people in here asking about the wagon and uh, and Favor makes makes uh, Mendez take a different route, a rougher route. But so they're on this rougher route and Mendez hops off the wagon after they've made an arduous climb and Favor's like, we don't need to rest. We're fine. We can keep going. And he's like, I need to rest. And the horses need to rest. Go get some sleep for three hours. I'm going to go get some sleep. And uh, Mendez is off and getting ready to take a nap and he gets confronted by Grimes. This isn't the way we're supposed to be going. And uh, uh, Grimes, uh, Mendez is like, well, take it up with uh, Favor. And he's like, I'm talking to you. And Mendez kind of handles himself okay here. And he's like, look, you were asleep. You were on this trip. So you weren't you, you weren't a voice we heard on this uh, discussion. So that's just Bye. the way it is. I'm going to go take a nap, get some rest. Grimes just lets it go. There's really nothing he can do about it. Whatever, even though he's a little mad that they're on a different road, he can't reveal his scheme just yet. Right. But he's also kind of a, a laconic person for the most part. And we'll get to that in a second. The women break off to have their a moment of conversation and they're trying Audra's perfume, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Audra is letting Doris try it and letting Jesse try it. And we learned that Audra was formerly a pupil in college under under Dr. Favor. And she's, she's kind of complaining about married life and about, you know, he was brilliant, I thought, when I married him, right? But she's, it's been a few years now and, and now his brilliant brain doesn't quite compensate for the skinny leg, you know, yeah. and the noises. And then Doris chimes in. It's like, well, then, no matter what age they are, they all make those bathroom noises, gross noises. And they're kind of having a having a commiseration about how bad their husbands are and how mit- bad men are. These aren't necessarily wrong critiques necessarily, but then Jesse pipes up um, and is like, oh, I don't know, men are all right. I like them, you know. Yeah. I, I keep coming back for more. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and unbeknownst to all of them, John Russell's kind of listening to this conversation with some amusement, right? Yeah. And and when she says, uh, oh, you know, I keep coming back for more, he's like, here, here. And he lights his cigarette and walks off, right? And uh, I, so I think that's the moment where he decides that he's actually, because it's not that the film ever does anything with it, but he likes her. Oh, like yeah. she, she actually starts to kind of get through to him. And I think it's that moment when he hears her and that, because yeah, look, she was trying, I mean, she was very upfront with him. Oh, yeah. But she, de- but she wanted something from it. Yeah. And she was very, she was very clear about it. She was very open about it. But at this point, she doesn't know that he's listening. Uh, he hears what she says. And, and he and he kind of, I think, sees what's really good about her. She's just very honest, very upfront. She's kind of accepted that this is where li- uh, life has brought her. And unlike these other two women, she's not fraudulent about it. And she's because not. The, she's because the other, well, the other two are. Yeah. Very much so. Doris and Mrs. Blake, in a, in a more naive way. Although, no, I think that what, what you're saying, that, that uh, Audra Favor is also kind of naive yeah. in the sense that um, she, or maybe not naive, but maybe she more actively has decided that, um, you know, strength or, you know, the, the courage to steal money, the, you know, the courage to, to 
just take whatever it is that you want. Something John Russell wouldn't do. Uh, well, that so, so she sees Cicero Grimes as kind of a maybe a, a somewhat more confident version of the husband that she chose, who who she no longer finds appealing. Yeah. But she does. But she does. She does like the decision. Well, yeah, and and I mean, she 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 looks at Grimes as almost like a charming rogue. She doesn't have a lot of. I don't think she has a lot of experience in the world that that Russell and Jesse have. Yeah. So she talks about being taught the classics. You know, she's she's probably an English major of some kind, or she studied literature. I'm guessing yes. something like that. The equivalent of of the time. And I don't think that she has the kind of world experience that would let her know that Grimes is a much worse kind of person than Doctor Favor. Favor's bad enough, but yeah. But as we'll find out. But um, she and Doris, probably Billy, uh, they all think that if you were to scale who was the better man in that wagon, it would go. Uh, maybe it would be a little different for Billy, but for Doris and Audra, it's Grimes, Favor, Russell. Yeah, that's the yeah. that's how they would grade their ethics and values. Russell would always end up on bottom in those eyes. And and, and Billy is just a child. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he's not he's not in this he's not in this ranking. Where now see Jesse would rank it very different. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean she 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 likes Billy, but more as like a, a kid brother or you know a son. You know. Well, when you were mentioning earlier when she when she kind of gave that uh, that well, it wouldn't bother me if you had to walk all the way back all the way to Bisbee. You know. Yeah. Um, she's mad at John, but I think she's also trying to tease him and and try and smooth things over a little bit because she does feel bad, like you said, about what happened. That's the beginning of her trying to cover that you know that wound that they have between them, right? Yeah. Uh, but she's a nice person. She's not vindictive. But but Doris, inflated by this talk, I think with Audrey and and Jesse, approaches Grimes, and Grimes doesn't even try to be charming to her when she comes and approaches him. He says, "What do you want?" Not hello, not anything. Is what do you want? And she tries to sweet talk him and charm him a little bit, and and she says, "Well, you know, is somehow they get past the subject of being married to Billy." And he's like, "Well, you're just strong. I just like seeing a man be a man." And he's like, "Is that what you like? Well, then I should show you exactly what that is." And he grabs her by the front of her dress and throws her to the ground and, and very roughly kisses her. It's a kind of a harrowing moment. Yes, and, it is. Uh, and and he kisses her very forcefully, and uh, and this is what he thinks a man acts like, right? Yeah. And, and she cries and screams and breaks away from him and and runs off it's it's kind of sad in its own way it's as sad as when the soldier leaves yeah it's a it's a moment where a certain innocence is lost a certain uh self-esteem is shattered right she runs mm-hmm. off and stumbles and falls a bunch of times and it's really lucky that jesse finds her before she finds billy yeah because this is another moment where we see jesse's wisdom and courage um she's like what happened and she's like grimes grimes i gotta go get billy and she's like she's like you're not gonna get billy you're not you're not doing any such thing you're not gonna go get billy he's like i gotta this can't stand and she's like, you're gonna get billy killed and and uh, he's like, you went and wagged your tail in the... Now, this is this is not necessarily a modern idea but uh, that, that people would cotton to right now. But but Jesse does blame Doris a little bit for what Grimes just did to her. Yeah. You went and wagged your tail in, in, in this guy's face and you didn't like what happened. Now, you don't get to get Billy killed over this. Right. You know? And so nothing... It wasn't worse than this. You got kissed. It wasn't pleasant. But let's go get you cleaned up and we're going to just pretend that this didn't happen. And... The, but- Sidebar. We just want to explain that we are describing how Jesse reacted to the situation. We are not blaming Doris for what Cicero did to her or the way he accosted her. But we're just describing how Jesse uh, put the blame on on Doris in this moment. Uh, We don't think that that was right. But this is sort of a a period piece and it is sort of of a time. And we're just describing that. Again, (laughs) quick, quick note. We're not blaming the victim here. We're just describing how Jesse reacted. So into the sidebar... 
Well, I, I mean, but then Doris blames her. Oh, yeah. You're, dis you're disgusting. Oh, yeah, you, because... You know, you talk dirty. Yeah, because Jesse does not sugarcoat what she says at all. Well, because see, but see, that's the thing, is that really, you know, Doris and and, and Billy, to a lesser extent, and then certainly Audra and and, Al and Dr. Alex Favor, I mean, they all, they all live within a certain way of understanding society, which, by the way, does not accept John Russell. No. Uh, or anybody else of a different race. And, and that'll come up again. Yeah. But anybody that questions their choices. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're disgusting. Um, but actually, Jesse is is. Um, I, I mean, okay. Everybody sees Jesse as kind of this. Um, um, they treat her as though that, that, that she's just you know not an acceptable yeah. lady. And um, but what we kind of find out about Jesse a little bit later is that this is just this is just where life put her. Oh, it's yeah, not. Yeah. It's it's not really what she would have chosen. No, no, no. But but she has a very clear eyed kind of perspective how life is, how people are. Yeah. Um, no, we get two. We get two pictures of, of, of I guess, womanhood at the time, and and Jesse is this kind of person who's had to deal in a way very, very much life as it is. Whereas Audra gets gets the insulation of wealth. I think in this scene we start to get like the first real softening of the relationship between uh, Russell and uh, Jesse because they're walking back to the wagon after the break. Boone, uh, sorry, Grimes is behind them. Jesse and Grimes, uh, Jesse and and uh, Russell are talking as they walk up to the wagon, and it's really this is almost the beginning of a courtship now wouldn't you say the, con no. the conversation they're having they're they're getting to know each other in the way that a man and a woman might that are clearly kind of attracted to one another yes but but also isn't it before this scene that they have the conversation uh where because he he's in the uh they stopped the mine yeah. and he's in one of the abandoned rooms he's he's eating something and she comes in to kind of oh that's right that's right yeah and, and, that. yeah and and he warns her because she's she's undressing he's like look i'm here yeah and that's where uh, I think isn't that the moment where she kind of tells her story about how Go ahead. yeah 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 well I mean she was married yep. and her husband was killed in a fight when she was 19 and and he had a valentine for her in his pocket when he was found yep. you know I mean it's not that she has you know these real romantic feelings about the guy but she kind of never really like reset her life you know what? she she got married young he died you almost you almost get the sense that Jesse was a lot like Doris yep. and she was married to somebody a lot like Billy yep. but her Billy in quotes died. Yeah, yeah. And Jesse had to kind of reset her life and kind of and kind of make decisions according to her own lights. And as a result, she's 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 very kind of street smart. She's yeah. very she's she's wise. Yeah. She understands how people are. And they're having a little moment, and that's when what could have been kind of stops there for the most part. Yeah. Because uh they see that the stagecoach is being held up and Cicero Grimes quickly steps up behind John and takes his gun and they march them to the to the wagon. And we see two of the bad guys who uh one of them has a big scar on his face now from where John knocked the whiskey glass into his face and yep. uh, they're holding up the wagon and uh, and the reason why they're there is they say alright Favor where is it and uh, and Favor who is played masterfully by uh, Frederick March by the way who is a veteran uh, Hollywood actor well he could hold this this performance could hold its own against any any modern performance by the way I think that this is a great and very sad performance of a guy whose morals are I, I feel bad for Favor even though he is not a good guy in this in this movie. he gives us some moments where we should feel bad about him we should feel some pity for him he made his yeah. obviously but but he's like but when they say where all right favor dr favor where is it and uh he's like i don't know what you're talking about and that's when uh grimes starts laughing he's like he should be over here with us <laughs> 
Yeah. Then he says, look, we know what you've been doing. And then we get like some exposition that's actually pretty well done where the guy lays out how Favor has stole from the in, the Native American, the Bureau of, of, of Indian Affairs, right? He's like, yeah. you know, he says they get more, he says they buy more meat than they, they do and he pockets the government money. And so he's made like thousands and thousands of dollars. I can't remember, but. but yeah, so, uh, well, I mean, actually, uh, you know, they get the money and it's like, you know, how much is in there so we don't have count it? He never tells. No, them. no. But but it's a lot. But, but, see, that, but see, that's one of the interesting things about Favor's characters because, you know, a lot of these characters, uh, the ones that we've mentioned, they, they parrot what you're supposed to say. Yeah, yeah. And Favor does that, you know, like, you know, you know, having compassion for Native horses. You know, anybody would have that. Yeah. But really, not only does he not have compassion, he is active, very active in allowing them to suffer. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I think, they don't ever explicitly say it, but I think Audra has to know that that's why they're so wealthy. Oh, I think she does. But yeah. see, okay, see, go back for a second to when she's the one that's getting the um, coach. She's doing the talking. She's absolute with him. She wouldn't be with him yeah. if not for this. She's yeah. in it for the money. Yeah. That's that's who her character is. I almost feel like that scene where the three women are sitting down, it's almost like a spectrum. Like Doris wants to be Audra. Yeah. Um, Audra knows, you know, exactly the life that she's in. She knows why she's there. Um, you know, she's not a very genuine person. Whereas, you know, Jesse avoided that. Yeah. She's, you know, she, she's, she's, um, I mean, she, I think she's probably, she's older than Audra as well. Certainly, yeah. I mean, Doris is very, very, very young. Yeah. But there's kind of this spectrum. Yeah. You know, these three women that are in different stages along the way. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I actually am absolutely of the opinion that Audra not only knew what was going on, but she was actively helping to plan the whole thing. That's why she did all the talking. Well, yeah, and, and her urgency displays, because she's very urgent. We need to go now. We need to do We'll this. pay anything. Yeah. You know, we'll buy this. We'll buy Cause that. Because they're, we'll, yeah. they're now kind of on the run. They're trying to kind of outrun yeah. their, the troubles that, that, that the scheme is likely to create. Um, right. They find the gun. I'm sorry, they find the money. And then, this is kind of interesting. Uh, they uh, they ask Mendez, you got any guns up there? It's like, just a shotgun. And they take a shotgun. They, they're like, all right, we got to go. And somebody says, it might be favor. You know, you won't get away with this. You know, there, there are witnesses and stuff like that. And, and again, right. Grimes is like, there are no witnesses here. And uh, his henchman says, hey, you. And he says to Russell, who's very carefully not looking at the guy. Right. But he, there's there's some worry that he might recognize. Russell has some worry that they, he might be recognized by the guy. And he's not ready to, he's not ready to have that fight just yet. Right. And uh, he's like, you see anything? And Russell's like, no, I didn't see anything. And they're like, yeah. see? And then they just kind of, Grimes just throws Russell's gun into the brush. They throw the shotgun into the brush and they're about to leave, you know. Uh, uh, Russell, Billy's up on top of the coach. You know, he's gotten things for the for the robbers. And as they're riding away, Russell says, Billy, get down. Get down from the coach right now, right? And is why. He doesn't, Russell doesn't, Billy says why. And Russell doesn't really explain it. He jumps up on the coach and uh, the guy with the scar on his face rides back. He's like, what you doing up there? Because the guy remembered that they needed water. Right. And uh, what are you doing up there? And he's like, oh, I just heading heading leaving. There's no reason to stay here, right? right. Coach with no horses. Right. I mean, John doesn't explain it, but it's a, there's a coach with no horses, and you know, it's they need to get someplace. Um, and uh, guys, like, how far do you think you're going to get? And he's like, oh, that's to find out, is what Russell says. And then the guy shoots one of their water skins. Yeah. And uh, how about now? Russell doesn't really say anything as the guy is starting to ride away. He's like, well, you know, because he's, now he's got his rifle out, and he's, he, he gets his rifle out of his bedroll, and he says, well, you know, maybe we'll all share a drink at Delgado's. And the guy is like, what did you say? I said, maybe we'll all meet up again and have a drink at Delgado's. Or, he might have even said mezcal. And then the guy knows. Yeah, we'll have some mezcal. Yeah. Then the guy knows that this is the, the that Indian guy who fucking knocked my teeth Oh, out. but he, he doesn't give him much time to realize that. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Because the guy spins, and John shoots him right in the face before, yep. before anything can happen. And then he shoots, oh, the other person who's there, we didn't even mention this, the sheriff. The sheriff, Frank. yeah. Frank is there. And even, uh, and Jesse lets him have it before, yeah. 
Yeah. Like, what are you doing up there, Frank? And like, like, don't, don't, don't pressure me, Jesse. And you know, uh, and, but he shoots Frank down when Frank turns around. Uh, I mean, yeah. And then John gathers up his stuff, gathers up his gun, runs off into the woods. And uh, that, before anybody even realizes it, like uh, they're they're trying to figure things out. And Mendes like, looks up and sees John is like halfway up the mountain. Yeah. And he's like, Mendes is like, who's this fucking Legolas? <laughs> And, uh, and they're all screaming for John, wait, 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 wait. But there's kind of an interesting moment where uh, Jesse and Billy are kind of gathering supplies. Yeah. And, and they come up to Frank and Billy Billy demonstrates some, I think that he's he's maybe on the right path. He says, you want me to do something about Frank? Like, you want me to get him off the road? Want me to bury him? And Jesse's like, no, nah. he made his choices or something. Well, because that's where, you know, um, I, I actually thought a bit about Billy's character. Obviously, he's not a real efficient guy, but I think that certainly John comes to the conclusion that Billy is not a bad guy. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, because he trusts him in several situations. It's absolutely true. But they've got to they've got to beat feet because they do know that Mendez and Billy know that John is the guy to be following right now. Right, right. And so they follow him up the hill, and uh, after a while they catch up with him because he's sitting down now. He's changing into his moccasins, and, and this is another great scene. I can't remember exactly how it started, but like uh, Mr. Fa- Doctor Favor is like, ah, right, you're you're not in as much of a hurry now. Well, Mendez yells at him a little bit. He's like, what were you doing? Why were you? Where'd you run off? You know, uh, we've got to get away and. John's like, what's stopping you? Yeah. They're like, well, we're in this together. And he's like, oh, are we? <laughs> Russell has a little moment where he kind of twists the knife on everybody for what, what happened. And this gives, this is uh, Mr. Favor is like, uh, well, you know, we have this coming, everybody. We have offended this man's dignity. Very important for a, a man, you know, a man to have his honor and dignity. John basically says, so you guys want to follow me? This is when he kind of confiscates the money. Favor is like, I thought we might get to this part. Of course, everybody misunderstands what John's doing, but John's like, here, um, you guys want to follow me? I take the money. And everybody's, they're kind of having this talk favors like what if we don't agree and like john's like you don't get a say in this So, but I just think it's kind of a great moment where, where John kind of twists the knife a little bit on them. But that's one of the few moments because actually we know, we the viewer, we know that he has every reason to dislike the favor. Oh, yeah. Uh, so when you, in the big picture, the, the the little line that you just pointed out is actually one of the few moments where he singles him out. Yeah. As, you know, you know, in this case, no. Yeah. You don't, you know, you're not part of this. If he was a really vengeful person, I mean, he would have just killed him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, and, uh, but then this, this is a nice, another nice line where John's John's laying down the law and he's he's very much taking the leadership role right mm-hmm. and uh, I know Jesse questions him a little bit and she's like well you know kind of criticizing him a little bit and she basically asks herself and him well why do we keep trotting after you you know and he's like because I can cut it lady yeah and yeah. I mean they are all dependent on him at that moment because he's the only one who can lead them out of this yeah and Mendez knows it Favor knows it Jesse knows it Billy knows it Doris probably knows it and so he's the new boss right yeah, yeah. the stagecoach robbery begins the second act of the Cat and Mouse with Grimes' gang and the refugees from the coach, which are led now by John Russell. There is a moment coming up, though, where they have to cross a hill. They have to go up a bit of a mountain, right? This is when Russell says, well, instead of continuing to run, why don't we just try and end it here? Why don't we set an ambush and we'll stop him, right? Yeah. And so he enlists Mendez to help him. Well, well first he tells Billy, he, he gives Billy oh. a gun yeah. and says that, you know, to watch favor, you know, if he uh, if he tries to run, shoot him once. If he tries to... Hey, the money shoot, shoot him twice, twice. If, he if he tries, tries to, to take the water empty the gun and uh billy must have been game because favor did none of those things he must have favor must have thought that he was the he would have done it well and it occurred to me though that actually russell you know he doesn't trust people no. so the fact that he asked billy to do that i mean he does kind of say you know you think you're up to this kid yeah. what he doesn't trust about billy is not um he doesn't he trusts billy to do the right thing he just yeah. kind of wonders if billy can, yeah, can yeah, shoot yeah. somebody you know yeah, yeah. so then mendez and 
Linda, he leads Mendez to a place where he's going to ambush him. He's like, all right, look, you've got a shotgun. You don't shoot until you can see them. And I mean, until you can yeah. see the, until you can see their sweat, you know, he's like, don't shoot until they're that close. Um, and then he says, don't vomit. You might have to lay in it a while. Yeah. And then we get another <laughs> moment where, where we get to see just John being still waiting, waiting, waiting to kill people, you know? Yeah. And uh, now the other performance that makes this movie for me is Frank Silvera's Mexican Bandit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, He's the only, Grimes is a bully and, and kind of has a bully's instincts. The Mexican Bandit is really the only capable professional highwayman that is in this gang. Oh, yeah. You know, he's the guy who they should have asked questions to because they're going up the hill and we see Frank Silvera's Bandit like looking around the hillside. He knows that there's an ambush waiting. Somehow he's just, is experienced. He looks back at Grimes and Grimes says, go. And the Bandit kind of gives him a smile like, why am I working with these people? You know? <laughs> yeah. But he goes up the hill because that's what he does. This is one of the, this is the moment where this is the first time I noticed that there's no score in this scene at all. It's all very tense. It's very patient. The, um, I didn't realize how effective that was going to be and t- until you and I have noticed a lot of, uh, when you watch movies a little more closely, a little more critically, I'm noticing a lot of things now since we've started this podcast that I, I hadn't noticed before. But this yeah. is an incredibly tense scene, especially since it's all quiet. The only yeah. thing you hear is the California quail constantly in the background. And the, I feel bad for the bandit because he knows they're up there and yeah. he's either going to see them before they get to him or not and he's going to die. Oh, you know, uh, and uh, and not only that, not only him, but Cicero Grimes, because up to this point Richard Boone has just been laughing yeah. and been, been real cocky and, and really just kind of manhandled everybody. But his character as well, he's you know, he's very steely-eyed, he's looking up at the hills, wondering where they are. Yeah. You know, we see this this change over him, but now he's actually in some danger and, yeah. uh, you know, the situation requires him to have a little bit more focus than we've seen him have. Also we should mention, which we didn't mention earlier, he has Audrey now. Audra. Oh, yes. Yeah. He uh, he very gently yeah. uh, suge- uh, sold her that she was going to come with him and that she would be all right. So the Mexican bandit is coming up the hill and Mendez tries really hard, but he's not John Russell and he shoots his shotgun too soon. Yes, yeah. And Russell is left trying to make the best of a bad situation and he shoots at the bandit and he actually gets the guy once, right? Yeah. And uh, he's still sitting there, but Mendez bolts, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, uh, does the bandit start talking at this point? This is uh, because, um, yeah. Hombre, hombre, you put a hole in me. And, and gave me a, uh, a, a stomach ache worse than I've had since I was a kid. But that's it. The ambush is over. So Russell follows Men- uh, follows Mendez back to their little camp. And Mendez is getting ready to suck down a bunch of water. And all Russell says to him, not now, not now. And Mendez says, why not? He's like, because you sweat and it's still daylight. You want more. He doesn't. This is one of the things I really loved about the character. There is no recrimination. There is no no yelling at Mendez for what just happened. You yeah. know, he's not he's not even mad at Mendez. You know, yeah. just went, shit went sideways and Mendez wasn't the guy to help him out. It's more, he behaves as, as if that's something I should have known. Should have known that. Well, it's almost like he did know, though. Like, yeah. he's not surprised by it. Yeah. He, he's never surprised when people disappoint him. <laughs> that's right, that's right. But the person who does have some surprises for him is the Mexican bandit. Hey, hombre! Look, amigo! How close you come! I tried to do better. I think you moved. You can be sure I move. How'd you prefer them, right? Eh? Tied to a tree? That'd be nice. You like to pull the trigger, eh? I can do it again for you. You could. But first I have to talk to this other. This favor. He can hear you. Tell him this. Tell him he give us the money and some of the water. And we give him his wife. And everybody goes home. 
Ask him how he liked that. You out of water, huh? <laughs> uh, this Grimes, he never been canteen, only whiskey. He, he think it is going to be easy. It's going to get harder. Not if this man won't give us the money. He hasn't got it. He gave it to me. Oh, you steal the money. <laughs> All right, we take with you then. You give us the money, or we shoot the woman. All right, shoot her. That nice little stuff, woman. You don't care we shoot her. She's nothing to me. How about the others? What did they say? They say what they want. I say what I want. Tell Grimes how things are up here. Tell him he better think some more. <laughs> All right. I talk with Grimes. One of the things that, this is going to sound strange to people, and maybe it'll sound strange to you, this is a bromance that happens in this film. Russell and the Mexican bandit like each other, I think, a lot. Okay. Um, the bandit is enjoys Russell, I think, and Russell kind of, they smile at each other, they admire their professionalism, they admire, they admire each other's skill. They're mm -hmm. the, these are the two toughest guys, the most capable guys on the mountain. Yes, and there's no doubt about that. But this is a great moment where Russell even shocks the bandit. Yeah. Because uh, he's like a... Give uh, us the woman. Oh, we, you know, we can't kill her. That's when he says, uh, kill her. Nothing to me. Oh, there's almost panic on his face. So, because they have no bargaining chip. Oh, yeah. With, it, with this guy, they yeah. have no bargaining chip. And this is why I think they like each other. Because as he's walking away, he turns around and gives John, like, a little wave. Yeah, you're quite right. That's something that I didn't notice, though, yeah. I have to say. Yeah. And, uh, and then they walk back, and this, I'm sorry, this is where they're all kind of horrified by Don. The people who are following. Mm -hmm. This is when Jesse says, why do we caught an after? Yeah, that's like, what I can cut it late, yeah. And, and, like, they can't afford to give up any of their water yeah. there's no guarantee that they're not going to be they're not going to get killed right, right, right. I just, if they make this exchange and right. so there's no there's no upside here for even dealing with these people um, yeah because well, mendez says well no listen to the guy let's before that that exchange we just had mendez says go talk to him what can it hurt talk to him and he says that a couple times um yeah. and uh and of course it doesn't work out and uh there, there is no deal yeah. <laughs> and uh they they make their escape and they wait till nightfall and uh when they or they come to a and so that might not happen yet they come to a, a an area where they can rest because they 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 need to cross a very open area at night, right? Yeah, well, uh, and they decide that it has to be at night because there's nowhere to hide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll get ridden down. And uh, John says, now, this is something I have a question about, and I want to I want to know what you think of it. I think John had, John definitely tests everybody late in the movie, but is this a test here where he, they're all resting and they, they, uh, they are getting ready to eat, and John's uh, favor says, John says, don't drink the water, don't eat the beef, because, you know, he's trying to manage their, their supplies. So I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for a patrol, basically, is what he says. He's tells Mendez yeah. to watch, the, you know, watch everything. He leaves, he leaves the money with Mendez, right? Yeah. He could have taken it with him. He could have, the saddlebags were no burden to John Russell. He drops them in Mendez's lap and leaves. And I thought he left them with Billy. He might, he might have left it with Billy, but, but the point is, but the point I'm trying to make is he leaves the money behind. Yeah. Uh, he gives Billy, he tasks Billy, not Mendez. 
was yeah. again yeah. with sh- with keeping an eye on favor. Yeah, which kind of demonstrates that you know he doesn't. He likes he Mendez, but he, but he doesn't think that he can cut it. Yeah. Anything, and not that he thinks Billy can, but that's his best shot. Yeah, yeah. Of well, whoever's left, right? Well, there's that go along to get along tendency in Mendez. Yes, and you know it might have worked out okay because when Mendez, because uh, Favor starts basically worm tonguing it almost right after John leaves, and it's interesting he picks Mendez, does not not Billy, and yeah. he starts to. He's uh, like, you know, you were very brave back there, Mendez, and he's like, oh, you know, it. Uh, you know, I, I've never you know, done this before, and then Favor's like, oh, it was wrong of John to ask you to do right. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, he's saying everything that he wants to hear, but but uh, he's like, you know, if you can kill one person, what's to stop John from killing us all? And Mendez is like, look, John's not going to be that guy. You don't. I know him. Yeah, I know him. And, and then this is where Favor and, and Favor says, trust me, my friend. Where money's concerned, you don't know anybody. And he leaps forward and steals Mendez's shotgun, right? Yeah. And then he goes and brandishes it at Billy and gets his pistol back and give me your money. money. And I don't know what Favor was thinking was going to happen here. I don't know what he thought. Well, he also got the water. Yeah, he took the water. Jesse has a great line here. Do you remember what it is? No. Well, I hope you're leaving us our, your blessings because you're taking everything else. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and that's when John... Who clearly was not that far away. He gets the drop on him and says, you better drop your... You better drop the gun. When he hears John's voice, Frederick March's acting is great. He looks caught. He looks so scared. He looks more scared yeah. than he did. He looks more scared than he did with Grimes and the gang. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he looks like a little kid who's yeah. worried about yeah. getting whipped. And uh, he says, you better drop it. Drop it or, or use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Favor's like, he's still like, he's still like, I wish you could see that face that I just did, audience. Maybe. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, but like, uh, and then and then uh, Russell says, even if you tie me, you're going to be dead. Yeah. And uh, yeah. the guy says, well, I guess you got me. And he throws the gun down, throws his pistol down and throws the money down, right? Yep. And then this is where Russell, it's not necessarily mean, but he's like, all right, you were so interested in leaving? Go, yep. keep going. And, uh, and and he wonders how he's going to survive and, you know, and just kind of the, the luck that it take to survive. And then John says, you know, well, I mean, if, if you do survive, we'll have a drink, you know, yeah. uh, together, uh, you know, toasting to your luck or whatever. Yeah. And I think he was serious. I think he was, yeah. But, yeah. but this is the thing. Russell, like, Russell is leading these people out. This is that efficient Apache. He can't have snakes yeah. in his camp. You know what I mean? He can't have traitors with him, right? Yeah. So, like, if if Favor survives, then, then that's fine. Then then he's not a threat to him in the city. Here, yeah, but, yeah. But, like, the Favors, both of them, yeah. are as close as John has to somebody that he really hates. Oh, absolutely. And and yet, I you know, when he said that, you know, you know, if you survive, I'll have a drink with you about your luck. You know, your, yeah. we'll, we'll drink to your luck. Yeah. I thought, you know, he's not a sarcastic guy. No, I think no. he's I think he's serious. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he doesn't like him, nope. but he'd have a drink. He'd have a drink with him because John doesn't. John Russell does not expect anything from anyone. That's right. Um, I mean, he he has he has kind of zeroed in on the favors as 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 people that have harmed his people. Yeah. And so you know he doesn't particularly like them, but at the same time he just kind of expects people to be this way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he doesn't trust anybody. He doesn't really like anybody. Um, he kind of deals with everybody in a very kind of upfront manner. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So so favor leaves, and then shortly thereafter they get a nice moment with uh, Russell and Jesse kind of looking out over the dunes that they'll have to cross at night, right? Yeah. Uh, they're kind of talking about romances in their past, and she was like, "You ever had a lady? You ever throw a woman over your horse and ride off into the sunset?" And he's like, uh, "You're asking for a demonstration," and yeah. she's like, "I think I'm asking for trouble." So clearly there's some connection between those two. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. And then later on, we we uh, they make their hike and uh, they get back to the mine, the San Pete mine, where they had left some water. They're gonna accidentally left a skin of water earlier, right? Because yeah. Billy during their second 
stop. Billy says, oh, my God, I left a, I left a, a water jug. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I left a water jug back at the mine. Mr. Mendez is going to skin me. He says this to Russell, who he's hoping for some sympathy. And Russell's like, yep, right down to the bone. <laughs> and he walks <laughs> off. And, uh, and, uh, but there's a, there's a canteen back there. And they get to the mine. And they're going to kind of rest in there under the cool, uh, the cool uh, buildings that are still there. And as they're there, as they're there kind of hanging out, Russell sees, this is, I don't know how many days later or if, how long it is later. Russell sees Favor stumbling up the road. And does not react. He doesn't say a thing. He doesn't do a thing. And it just, just happened that Jesse saw him. Yep. And she's like, oh, my God, there's Mr. Favor. Um, he's really parched. Um, and uh, she's like, oh, we left that water skin down there. We should tell him. And John's like, no, we're not going to tell him. He's like, he'll die. And he's like, what do you think was going to happen? Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, because, I mean, and, and he points out, you know, that, you know, we knew he was going to die anyway. Yeah. You know, the only difference is now you know about it. Yeah. And so what, what's the difference? Yeah. And she was like, why? And Jesse says, I, you know, I should have spoke up then, but I'm speaking up now. And, uh, and John, you know, says a few things. You know, he's like, you know, you lady, we don't know where they're at. And my guess is that they were following favor, these, 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 these banditos. They were following favor and, uh, and she looks back at him and she opens the door and says, Mr. Favor, the water. And he gets to the water and he takes greedily drinks so much of their water. You know, Frederick March, uh, just, I bet he drinks half that skin. And yeah, yeah. John should have shot him right then. <laughs> <laughs> damaging their water supply. But he turns around and of course there's Cicero, Audra, the bandit and some other, that one of the other guy who's still alive. Um, mm -hmm. Frederick March walks up the hill and uh, comes into the camp, into the cabin thing. And he's like, this is one thing you don't understand about what you know, white people, they stick together. And Russell just says, well, they better. <laughs> And so they're they're under siege now because the the gang is down there. They're, they've kind of blocked their way out. And as they're as the gang's setting up, one of the guys ride behind, and Billy's like, "What are they? What's they? What are they doing? What's that guy doing?" John and John's like, "Oh, they're riding around to cut off our escape." And uh, anyway, uh, so they're stuck there. And Grimes Grimes does not Grimes does not understand who he's dealing with. Oh, he doesn't. <laughs> I'm gonna parlay. <laughs> yeah, he takes his gun off, and uh, he's like, "Well, you know, I'm gonna go up there and parlay." And uh, uh, I think he misunderstood what happened with the bandit his Mexican his Mexican partner right mm. that guy went up under a flag of truce he made an offer and uh, didn't try and strong arm John personally he needed to get the lay of the land and he figured it out and they I think that Grimes thought that he could go up there and, and push push them around a bit mm. so he walks up the hill and as he's walking up the hill hey, I'm coming up don't shoot and John Russell immediately moves into position to gun him right the fuck down yep. and Mendes is like don't do it don't do it don't do it we you know what, what, what he, he wants to talk me. yeah and yeah. Uh, and John John's like, well, okay. Yeah. And uh, Grimes comes up and he's like, look, you give us the money. We'll let the woman go. You give us some of the water. We'll, we'll give you the woman. And uh, Russell's like, well, what if nobody up here wants her? Or no, Mendez says, what if nobody up here wants her? Right? Uh, yeah. And Grimes says, well, that's okay too. But the bottom line is you're not going anywhere with that money. And yeah. uh, and he thinks because, he's- Because we can go and get more food. Yeah, yeah. We can outlast him. Yeah. And he's standing up there and uh, John Russell says, I got a question for you. In a pretty brutal moment for a 1967 Western, he says, he says to Grimes, how are you going to get back down the hill. <laughs> And yeah. Grimes' composure, like you just did, Grimes' composure, his courage, everything vanishes. Uh, no, 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 I'm going back down the hill same way I came up. Yeah. And uh, and he turns and tries to run down the hill. Drift. That's the luckiest thing that happened for him. And he still gets shot twice. Yeah. In one of the great, great lines of the film, everybody in the cabin is tense and it kind of focuses in, zooms in on Jesse and he's like, Cicero Grimes meet John Russell. 
Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and I just thought that was, I, just, I think it's an amazing scene. Yeah. And, well, uh, actually, you know, that's something we, you know, we probably should mention before we even get to the uh, the verdict. We have not talked about the cinematography. The cinematography is hilarious. And I and I wanted to kind of give a quick shout out to uh, James Wong Howe, yep. who was a Chinese uh, American, I guess, uh, who had worked in Hollywood all the way back to the silent era. Really? Wow. Yes. And he was very interested. By, he, he was an assistant when he was younger, but he was very interested in deep focus and composition and all these things and um, that is very much in, in evidence here you know uh, just to go back real quick to when uh, when Russell comes back and gets favor before he leaves camp yeah. and gets the drop on him as he said the, the shot of him at the top of the hill with the kind of briars on either yeah. side of him looks a lot like the shot uh, from the Hidden Fortress yes yes it does you know what I'm talking about I do not I didn't I, I can't say that I hit upon that but as you were talking about How's uh, that's his last name, right? How? Uh, yeah, James Wong How. As you were talking about this, I was just thinking about how some of this kind of moves as deliberately as a, as some of the great samurai films of the era, Kurosawa. And but yeah. you're right, that scene. I only just hit. A, I only just came to that conclusion listening to you talk about his ideas about deep focus. Because you're right. I mean, that adds so much to this film: tension, it's drama. Because um, it's a quiet film. Yes. And the composition adds a lot to the drama of of each moment. You know. But go on, go on. That's, that's brilliant. No, no, I uh, actually, uh, uh, I, you know, I watched it twice, and that's that's the thing that I noticed the most the second time around. How uh, well, and actually, I described it a little bit in the very first scene about the establishing shot, setting everything up, and how you know there's not a lot of dialogue in that in that initial scene, but the the selection of what to show the viewer and the order that's shown to the viewer, and when to use a close up, when to use that you know this kind of long shot of this horse, glorious long shot of this horse on top of a hill. You know, that's just all really, really well done and, uh, and and that is sustained throughout I mean I think that's all over this film um, the film does use a lot of close-ups which uh, which can be overdone but in this film look this is a very character driven film yeah. and I think that uh, that the close-ups um, that were given are very effective at demonstrating to us what these characters are experiencing at any oh, given yeah. time this is a very thoughtful film from the cinematography to the dialogue to composition uh, to the ideas that the film has even because there's the the film at this last moment where in, where they're in this uh, mining structure, there are some there's a great bunch of conversations that happen in this in this cabin thingy, right? Right. Um, um in this mining house. Um, and the first one begins. So we've just <laughs> poor Cicero Grimes has been sent down the hill, and in retaliation, they send out Audra and they chain her out onto a uh, onto some old mining equipment. And uh, it's funny because the Mexican bandit like walks with her. He's behind her so that John can't take a shot at him because John's up there thinking about taking a shot at somebody right right he ties her up and then then he shoots a few he shoots at the the uh john in the window and then uh, he gets to a hiding place and he's like hombre uh, and he starts talking to him again he's like and that's another moment where he just keeps talking to john and like the the camera shows john's reaction to it and he kind of gets this grin on his face at, at his uh at, at the mexican bandit and uh, a lot of time happened between the moment they strap poor audra to the to the ground uh, at, because she goes through a, a quite a change because she's horrified she doesn't even when they when they take her out there she doesn't think that it's really it almost doesn't seem like it's dawning on her that she's about to be tortured right yeah actually i mean her her initial reaction you know tell my husband that i'm being treated really well i kind of get the sense that she's still kind of on board with uh kind of admiring uh right. yeah yeah but she she seems horrified when they take her out to tie her up to the out into the sun right well now she's finally suffering exactly exactly and so she starts crying out you know uh help me help me help me and we get the first kind of 
uh, interesting comments from Mendez. He says, he says, God looks at this. What does he think of us? And then, and then Faber's like, there is no God, Mendez. Just people. He's like, no heaven, no, no, uh, no reward. Nope. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, uh, how about hell? And again, this is Frederick March demonstrating his skill as an actor. He's like, oh, yes, there's hell. Because he's experiencing hell right now, listening to Audra cry out. And he's n- he can do nothing about it and has no courage to even try. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he could try, yeah. but but he's not going to. There's n- And, you know, she she knows he's not. Going oh, yeah, yeah. You um, know, she's, she's, trying, she's trying to coax him. You kind of get the sense she's kind of controlled their relationship up to this point. Yeah, yeah. But she has she has no power instant because yeah. his his cowardice is uh, is pretty pretty complete. Doris, I think, is the one who says we've got to do something for her, and he's like, you go out there, and you know they're gonna shoot you. Uh, they're, they're gonna kill you. Oh, he's, they're gonna shoot you, and uh, they're gonna take they're, they're gonna take the money. They're gonna shoot her, and they're gonna shoot. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's right. And he's right. That's well, yeah, he's right. like you know uh, you know in the front if Grimes does it, in the back if the Mexican does it, front or the back, one way or the other. Yeah. And uh, and then either she or, or uh, Jesse says, you're just saying that so we won't go down there. I'm saying that because they'll kill you. <laughs> he doesn't lie. No, no, no. Um, then there's a really kind of powerful, wonderful moment between uh, Jesse and, and Russell. And he's like, uh, like, you can't take this out on her. You can't take your anger out on her. You know, he's like, well, look at her down there now. She'll eat dog now, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and she's like, look, we can help you. We got to help each other on mer- on need because none of us have merit for helping each other out. What did you think of this conversation about, about obligation to one another? Because this is, this is what, this is the test that I think John is, John is putting them to the test, I think, to decide whether or not he's going to do something. Um, but what did you think about their talk? And what do you think about my hypothesis about the test? This, uh, I, I, I like the hypothesis. It's not what I, okay. but I'm, but, but I'm definitely reviewing what you're saying. And I, and I can see where you would, where you would say that. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe John's trying to find a reason to sacrifice himself because he's not the kind of person to do that. Certainly what Jesse says is kind of like a, almost like a programmatic text yeah. of defining her character. Yeah. Life to this point has taught her to, to be compassionate towards other people because, because she has been, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. you know, every turn along the way, when people kind of let her down, she, she accepted it. Yeah. In fact, she and John are, are both like that. They kind of accept people how they are yeah. uh, when they don't have the ability to, to, to do something about it. The difference is, is that when push comes to shove, Jesse feels like people should do the right thing because she sees flaws in everybody, including herself. Oh, yeah. And so and so she's not hard on anybody. John also isn't hard on anybody. He just doesn't he just isn't gonna do anything about it. He's also not easy on anybody. Um he's, he's not easy on anybody, but he doesn't get involved. No, no, no. Like he doesn't punish people. He lets people just do what they're gonna do. It's not any of his business. Because I mean, if that were the case, he would have stood up for that corporal oh, yeah, yeah. In, in the uh um in the station. Uh because that corporal stood up for him. And but he says, Look, I didn't ask him to do it. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and, so, well, so, so I mean I, I kind of feel like that the way that his character is um he lets people be who they are and uh and, and he's not he's not going to be messed with you know I, but, but i guess i can kind of see what you're saying that he kind of spends the whole movie deciding you know am i going to put my neck out for these people because he does put out his neck for his the, the his two friends at the very beginning of the, he does stand up for them absolutely and but there's a there's a moment where john john does lay out why he doesn't feel entirely obligated he's like you know look at these people she's down there he's like you know 
know, you call these, he's like, you know, these two people have basically hurt a whole people in the hills where I grew up, right? And he's like, you call them Christians, but I only know them as white people. And they've, they've damaged my, my, my way of life, right? Because it's his way of life too. He's as much an Apache as anybody. You know, you want me to go out there. Why, why should I go out there? Why he, he, it's his woman. He won't do it. You know, he offers the, he offers the bag of money to everybody. Yeah. You know, this is why I was wondering if it wasn't a test. He was just waiting. I wondered if he wasn't waiting for somebody else to step up and, and quit trying to put this good act that they wanted on him. I don't know if okay. that's right, but like, you know, he's like, here, you know, take it. Cause he says, he says, take the money, go ahead, do it. You know, the only thing that, the only thing you need to know is that when you go down there, they're going to kill you, but go ahead, yeah. here's the money. Nobody takes it up. But then finally, Jesse was like, all right, well, I'll do it. And uh, she says to John, he's like, uh, well, just give me the money. Uh, just give me your knife. I don't want anything else. I don't want anything else from you. And he's like, he starts lacing up his moccasins. He's like, oh lady, you want a lot from me. And, and he, he says, give me the money. Right. Mm. And that's, I, and I, it would seem like that was the inflection point for him. And I don't know if that's right. That because, because she was going to do it. Yeah. And, and she was, and she yeah. was now, no, I, yeah, I think that you, that you make your point well, because in spite of what I had said, he's not intending to sacrifice. No, no, no. He, he, he does not intend to die. He, he asks uh, Billy for his help, which yeah, Billy is trusting Billy. And, and Billy is willing to do it. Yeah. That's a pretty great line. He's like, look, uh, you know how to use one of these things? And he's like, I think so. He's like, there's the ejector. There's one in there already. And I hope you only need the one. Yeah. Like, look, when I go down there, the Mexican's going to come behind me. If he touches it, if he moves for his gun, shoot him in the back. I'll try and get him to turn around. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, then the big reveal happened when John's like, look, one other thing. What's that? The money. What, what about it? Like, might be you that has to take it back. You know, John's kind of acknowledging that this might not work out. And uh, he's like, uh, take it back to the Apache. Have him cut you a $10 horse my way. Thanks. And, uh, and I think Billy's going to do it, by the way. Oh, oh, absolutely. No, I have no doubt that Billy's going to do it because he's he's a little shocked and uh, he's like, well, we thought, I thought you were going to steal it. He's like, well, think what you want to. We all did. Yeah, yeah, you see, once again, you guys can think whatever you want. You know? <laughs> exactly. and, like, he never interferes with what anybody wants to do. No, no. Feels that he owes them for his, his upbringing, which he seems to be happy with, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then he looks at Favor and they have a, they even have an interesting line. He's like, look how, I don't remember what John says to him exactly. He's like, look at all the trouble you went to. You don't get any of it, you know? And, he, and Favor's like, you know, it's, uh, he basically says, you know, it's hard to live with growing old is what he says. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And uh, which John doesn't respond to. Yeah. It's well, not I think John knew that about it. Yeah. Oh you yeah. Know, I mean John I mean John kind of understands people. Yeah. You know, I mean I mean he's he's lived in two cultures. We don't know much about his time in those two cultures, but he he's he's got quite an eye for you. Oh yeah. Uh, no no one ever surprises him. You know, I mean uh everyone disappoints him if he was disappointed, but everyone just kind of acts the way that he expects. Oh yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think the but I think that your point is is that Jesse might have been the first person that didn't. I think so. I think so. Um, because she actually she actually makes a point and and kind of corrects him and kind of points out to him that you know everyone ha is is fantastically flawed. Yeah. And if everyone got what they deserve, no one would ever get anything. Exactly. And I think and I think that she, she makes her case to him. I think. I think she does too. Up and we get another tense scene where they no music. John just walks down the hill. More of that uh, uh, Wong Hao cinematography. Um, they really know how to bring out Paul Newman's eyes in this movie, by the way. Absolutely. It's, it's so brilliant. A lot of films try to do that, but this one really, really manages that trick. He's, you know, he, look, he was the pure movie star of that period. Yeah. Um, he, he's, he's really perfect for the role. And so he goes down the hill exactly as he predicts the Mexican moves behind him. And and uh, Grimes, Grimes has a great line. Uh, he's like, you got a lot of hard bark on you, mister, coming down that hill. Yeah. And, and uh, in the saddlebags are some old rags. And he, uh, he cuts Audrey loose, Paul Newman does, uh, John Russell. And she gets 
up and her face is all cracked and chapped from the sun, right? Right. And uh, she looks like she can barely see and he helps her up and sends her on up the hill. And this is something that he didn't quite plan on. She's going to be a problem. Not actively, but because she's stumbling, she can barely see, she can barely function, she gets in the way. Billy can't get a shot. Billy can't get a shot. Grimes is like, uh, talks about how he owes, uh, is, you put two holes in me and <laughs> Russell's like, it's usually enough for most of them. <laughs> so we get the sense that John Russell's killed a lot of people probably over the course of his life. Yes. Um, but uh, he's like, so what about what about my money? He's like, I must have brought my dirty laundry instead. And he's like, let me see. And Grimes doesn't think that that's true. Yeah, and he's I like, noticed that. Yourself, yeah. You know, but but Grimes also says, uh, hey, uh, don't try anything because that vaquero behind you is, uh, is a fair hand with a gun, you know. Mm. And uh, Grimes looks in the bag. And it's dirty laundry. And it's dirty laundry. <laughs> and uh, Grimes says... What do you suppose hell is going to look like? We all die, just a question of when. This whole ending is actually straight from the from the book. And the shootout happens, and it is fast and furious. Grimes goes down right away. He's done, yes. and Russell and uh, the Mexican bandit shoot each other. I and mean, it looks, it's kind of brutal, I think, even in any period. And uh, yeah. they both kind of fire their last shots. Now, they're probably not even, they're not quite aware even that they're firing their last shots. Yeah. Um, I think the Mexican bandit actually gets the last one because he shoots Newman. We get, yeah. we, get, we get one more shot at Russell over the barrel of, of the Mexican bandit's gun, and he shoots. And it's kind of sad the way Russell bucks a little bit and that's it yeah I noticed that yeah and then everybody's running down the hill because it's over right mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, Russell's dead uh, John Russell's dead and uh, Mendez is horrified and he looks sad not horrified but he's just sad Jesse is sad I mean everybody those two are really sad about what's happened because they I think that they felt Jesse is new to it but they have a connection with John now yes yes um, uh, Billy runs down the hill sees the bandit uh, is this one still alive and uh, Mendez go along to get along walks over and classic line straight from the book I would like at least to know his name he was called John Russell and then the Mexican dies that's it movie over we get uh, some we go back to that score from earlier mm-hmm. the Native American beats and we get a, a lone picture of a little boy who's not who's pale yeah. among the Apache yeah. and uh, and that's what we end on and that's a movie yes, I think indeed. we covered it we did there is one other thing that, that I would like to mention I guess I want to ask you since you've read the book mm-hmm. the middle part of the film in the in the, in the stage hope, yep. where they're all sitting there and they all have the different personality. That is very much to me a nod to the film Stagecoach by John Ford, 1939. Okay. In fact, that's that whole film. Oh, really? That's what Stagecoach really is all about. Character-driven film with all of these very different people, very different backgrounds. In fact, that middle part of this film, the only difference between that film and this story, I'm assuming the book is saying, is the uh, the racial component. Um, there's a lot of look, uh, kind of societal looking down one's nose at other people in yeah. in uh, Stagecoach, okay. but there's not really the racial cone there yeah. is in this movie. So I was wondering, is that a part of the book? The, the, I mean, the conversations are, yeah, I mean, like I said, this this is almost a one, it's not quite, but it's almost a one-for-one one adaptation. Okay. So it's all Which in I love. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, It's a great book, uh, and in fact, I've read about half of Elmore Leonard's uh, Western, and uh, and this is a, this is the best, The uh, I recommend everybody read it. But yeah, that's in there. It's been a while since I've read it. I don't know how close it is uh, in all of the dialogue, mm-hmm. but 
but after I read that, I watched the movie. I, I don't remember when I first saw this movie, but uh, yeah, I just, I think it might've been on uh, TV once and I, I saw it, maybe on TBS or something like that, you know? I fell in love with it. And then I found out oh, it was a book by Elmore Leonard and I read the book and it's like you said, it's almost the same thing. So that's interesting. Do you, do you, do you see this film as maybe, it's not quite kicking over any apple carts, but do you think it's like upending some of the conventions of Stagecoach or do you think it's drawing much from Stagecoach at all? Because there's something that happens sometimes with uh, uh, an author will see a thing and they'll say, you know, that's a fun piece, but it's not accurate to the time. I want to write a, a book that looks at what we just saw in the movie Stagecoach, but that is accurate in terms of racism, in terms of, uh, like, a lot of the West, a lot of the history of the Western film is a history of revisionism. It's, yeah. you know, everything that uh, Western colonization was great, you know, a lot of the Western Native Americans were savages, right? right. This film demonstrates that that isn't quite right, is it? Yeah, it, yeah I mean, this film shows the hypocrisy of everything that was going on in ways that very few films were this would have done. That. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, even, um, you know, famously, The Searchers, uh, you know, deals racism uh, to an extent. But but I mean, even in that film, it's the pagan. It's, yeah. it's the person that at the end of the film we're rooting for. Yeah. You know, whereas um, in this, the the, um, the characters who are bigoted yeah. are, are, we're permitted to dislike them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're permitted to, to be disgusted with them. We're permitted to see them through the eyes of the protagonist of this film, John Russell, who is kind of the victim or is part of the community that is the victim of all of that kind of That's thing. right. It, it, and, it yeah. to, it's like a, it's sort of puncturing the myths about the American West. Yeah, and, I mean, there's there's some of that in Dejo. Yeah. Um, we'll save that for another day. When Where I would compare the two films is kind of creating, both films create this little microcosm of personality in, in, in the Old West and examine, you know, kind of their interaction with each other and the story that they have to tell. Almost in kind of this, you know, kind of Jeffrey Chaucer kind of way where yeah. characters from this time period are kind of permitted to, to be who they are, to kind of allow their own personalities and their own character kind of be there for the viewer to look at yeah. and to kind of come to a conclusion about in terms of, you know, how to examine these characters. But each of these characters are very well drawn. Dialogue's very good. I, I did read somewhere um, where somebody said that, you know, Paul Newman's great in this movie, but it's virtually a, a role without line. And that's not really true. He plays a very stoic character who only speaks when he feels like that he needs to. But, he, you know, but he speaks in, in very kind of terse, muscular sentences. No, I agree. Uh, the verdict. The verdict on Ombre. I would highly recommend this movie to anybody, especially if you love Westerns. But even if you don't, this is a film with very, very well-drawn characters that keep the viewer engaged all the way through. The cinematography is absolutely stupendous. Uh, it, it leaving the viewer something to look at and be engaged with and draw you in um, into the film. And the performances are uniformly excellent by everybody, especially Paul Newman, uh, Frederick March, Richard Boone, and, Dylan, and Diane Salento uh, particularly stand out, uh, as well as Martin Balsam as uh, Mendez. Um, I, I, I even like the, though the music is somewhat slight, I, I really enjoyed even how the music kind of acted as a backdrop of the film. This film has no weaknesses. This is a truly great film. If you love Westerns, you must see it. But even if you don't, even if you're someone that, that strays away from Westerns, this is one that you will want. I agree. My verdict. Roger Ebert called this film quietly graceful. I think that that's right. It's a very deliberate film and it, it, its beauty lies in that deliberateness. Uh, part of it is beauty lies in that deliberateness. One of the things uh, I liked about the film and one of the reasons why I think people should see it is because it, it is a turning point in addition to everything Jason said it's it's part of that turning point in the western that started to look inward at history as it really was this is, doesn't beat you over the head with 
with its at its more honest look at American history. It is just a good film about that period. Um, so 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 that's another quality that I like about it. I also like the big ideas that the movie has. Some of the some of them are quite well spelled out. Others are not so much. I like the idea that culture is a bit more important than something minor like skin color, which the film talks about in its own way. John Russell is as much an Apache as his friends are. He's much less a person of the Western world. He can move through it, but not necessarily well. I like that about the film. Um, I like the ideas about race and culture and about how those things, uh, and about how cultures blend. And these are unstated in the film, but I, I think that they're there. So big ideas, fun action, but just, just kind of a glorious package that I think everybody should see. I, that might not be entirely eloquent, but that's where I'm at. Simple part of the verdict. It's in my top five Western. Might be my top three. Ooh. It's it's up there. It's up there. I, I can understand that. And, uh, and so, as Jason said, if you love Westerns, this this has to be on your list. Yeah, and uh, but it's it, it's like I have to agree with Jason. Do it. It transcends the genre. So uh, see the movie. Big ideas. Big action. Two thumbs all the way up. All right, that's it for Max and Jason watch a movie. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, join us next week when we discuss John Wick, starring Keanu Reeves and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Judo, and Guns. Be sure to share us on social media. Share us on the social, the Facebook, the Twitters, the Instagrams, wherever you share shit. Leave us a five star review at Apple Podcasts if you get a chance. That helps us out a lot. Uh, subscribe to us there as well. Subscribe to us at Podbean if you don't want to subscribe at Apple. Reach out to us at Lord Movies 39 Gmail uh, Gmail and uh, or the Supper Test on Twitter. And that's all we got, guys. See you next week. Bye bye. I was like fucking alarmed. I had something else to say. <laughs> Hold on here. Sorry. I'll get back in a second. Verdict. Ooh.